0: formal talk, I want to expand our dedication to George Floyd, but also Brianna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, Arbery, all of whom have died in the last period of time during this pandemic, uh, basically because they were black and they've been killed by white people police officers, non-police officers. Uh, And it's just uh, uh, clearly impacting all of us, myself personally, and the whole country. And it should impact everybody. Uh, If you're not impacted, why aren't you impacted? Because this kind of hatred and prejudice and bias and violence has been going on for 400 years. And we're all dealing with it, whether we're dealing with it consciously or unconsciously, directly or indirectly. And it seems like something is really happening now, partly because of the simplicity of the pandemic is we're not all distracted by whatever we get distracted by our work or our you know tv or movies or sports or whatever it is and so when these things happen they become much clearer than we used to much more precise about what's going on and what that or what the hell is going on then becomes the question Right. And I don't know. And I would love it if everybody um, turned on their video because I like to see you if you don't have your video on because it helps me get a sense of who you are and also what the response might be to what I'm saying. Because even though we can't be in the same room, we're in the same world here and we're dealing with the same dukkha together. And so, um, and so from time to time, I just keep flashing through the different screens so I can see you all. And um, I really, the question I have is, how many people have seen the video of George Floyd being murdered? I'm just curious how many people have seen it. Just raise your hands for a second. And it's fine if you haven't seen it. Don't feel bad about that. But just raise your hand if you've seen it. And I'm just looking through to see. Because it's a very powerful reality that we're able to witness. And it's not a movie, even though it's coming to us on the video. It's not a movie. It's not Hollywood. Like, this is a real thing. And this is what happens in our country and has happened for 400 years. And it's in our face and, and it's horrendous what happened, but I think it's good that it's in our face because that's the only way to deal with reality is directly is to really see what's true and what's needed and to see the, uh, police officer putting his knee on this man's neck for eight minutes, when he obviously can't breathe, and is saying, I can't breathe, and him not stopping. You know, really, I I don't know what to say about this. I can't fathom what's going on for the police officer. What is he thinking? What What's going on that he's even doing this in this way? It's one thing if somebody needs to be arrested, which that wasn't even clear that he needed to be arrested, but, but then to do it in that way as if you're dealing with an animal and you're killing it and you feel like you have the right to do that. And so... I've been asked in different circles that I'm part of what what words describe my reaction to what happened. And really the three words that came were heartbreaking. You know, I felt heartbroken to see it. I still feel it even talking to you about it because it's so horrendous. And, I feel bewildered by the fact this shit is going on for 400 years and we haven't dealt with it as a country together. And I'm infuriated too. I mean, somebody asked me what to do. I said, well, let's go bomb shit. Let's go. You know, I grew up in the 60s and I was part of a lot of riots. I understand why people riot. It's because it's the only way to get your voice heard is to do something radical and that people don't want you to do because people are doing shit that we don't want them to do. How else to respond to it if you have such little power? And I'm not suggesting we go riot or bomb. Actually, I'm just telling you a little bit my own personal response that I've been aware of. And the heartbreak, uh, of course, for George Floyd and his family and his people, and and for Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, and for the Black brothers and sisters that we live with and that have been subjugated here for 400 years. And it's just insane is how I feel like it. It's not being real human beings to just tolerate this shit. And then also I felt heartbroken about the cop, like again, what could he be thinking he was doing that was needed, right? By putting his knee on this guy's neck for so long when he's not even moving most of the time and wasn't even resisting in any of the film that I saw. And, then the, and now the rioting that's happening all over the country, and even I don't know how many people here, again, raise your hand, how many people got a call about that were uh, in quarantine from eight o'clock on here? How many people know that, right? That the, there's a city quarantine now. Um, and yeah, keep your hands up a second. I just want to see who knows, who doesn't, right? We're not supposed to leave our homes now. And of course, I have very mixed feelings about it. I feel like I'm going to do what the fuck I want, which is a very young response that Eugene has and, and that I have. And so I'm just saying it. It doesn't mean I believe it, but but I feel it because I feel so angry about the whole thing. And, and, and then... You know, and then I realized even the people rioting, when I see them, whether it's in Minnesota or or wherever it is, in, in the many, many, many different cities in Los Angeles or in New York and Georgia or wh- wherever it is, in, in Detroit and in Milwaukee, um, I, I realized, oh, everybody's risking their life, not just from the police, but from COVID-19, right? Because people aren't stopping because there's a virus. And of course, what they're doing is responding to a much greater virus, which is the virus, the pandemic of racism. And the pandemic that sometimes looks underground and sometimes is very clear that we're living with this pandemic and we've lived with it for 400 years. And people say, oh yeah, we treated it, it's done, it's over. And And it's over? How, how can anybody, at least in my view, even believe that? And so in Buddhism, one of my friends who I talked to about this and about this talk, because I was nervous about this talk. I've been, I've been a little um, anxious is not the right word, but I can't stop thinking about it and like what, what can, to say and what would be helpful and what's needed, because actually I don't know. I'm just giving you my best shot, but actually I don't know what's needed. But in Buddhism, we were talking about the one way to understand the Four Noble Truths is, the question is, what's the disease? What's the cause of the disease? What's the cure for the disease? And what's the prescription? you know which is just about suffering what's the cause of suffering what's the cure of suffering and what's the path that leads to freedom from that from that illness that we call racism at today and the pandemic of of uh, racism and of course i could say i have a lot of notes here about the history of slavery and oppression and discrimination and the sanctified violence against our brothers and sisters who are people of color it's of course it's not just black but it's focused right now on black people but it's also brown people and or, or, or whatever color that is not generally called white right <sighs> And racism like COVID-19 is uh, transmitted invisibly often. Sometimes it's visible, but often invisibly or unconsciously or even despite the best intentions or even because we're good people, we don't see we've got the disease or we've got the virus of racism. And that it's part of the deal if you've lived here in this country at all, because it's part of how this country was made. It's part of the atmosphere of that we're living in and breathing in together. And so the question, one of the questions becomes, how do we respond? And of course, it's a question for each of us personally as well as collectively, right? And so I'll throw out a few questions just for you to reflect on. What are you doing? What what are you doing? What aren't you doing? And especially if you're a white person, those are good questions. What are you doing? What aren't you doing? Because for us as people who are either identified as white or seen as white, white, so live with uh, the certain privilege of being white, um, you get one can get away with not doing anything. And, you know, you're okay, you're still a white person, you know, or what have you done? Right? In the past? Or how, how have you helped? Or how haven't you helped? And what do you think needs to happen? What would help now? What would help today? What would help tomorrow? What would help next week?
1: Hmm.
0: And so this history also of police violence violence against African-American men and women, I mean, it's just shocking to look at even some of the names and numbers, you know, and why and how unimportant whatever they were doing was that they were killed for, right? Eric Gardner who, Eric Gardner, who died in New York in 2014 was arrested for selling cigarettes without stamp stamps, tax stamps, right? He was arrested for selling cigarettes and he died for it, basically. Or Michael Brown, who died in Ferguson, Missouri, right, was walking in the street instead of using the sidewalk and ended up dying for that, right? And of course, you know George Floyd died because supposedly he had given a fake $20 bill, right? So he died for $20 that wasn't even $20. And I talked to one of my friends who has been on a class with the venerable who who is a Buddhist teacher I really appreciate. And uh, and he said, and I said, what did Anagya say? And I said it partly because I was looking around and seeing what are other Buddhist teachers saying. And I went online yesterday morning because there was a local Buddhist teacher teaching that I know and respect. And I thought, okay, let me see what they're gonna say. And they didn't say a word about this, not one word. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. You know, they were teaching the Dharma. Like the Dharma is not what's happening. This is what's happening, this is the Dharma. And I couldn't believe this guy didn't say it. And this guy is really smart and brilliant and creative and a scholar. And he just kept talking really, what I felt like was all this Buddhist shit. Who cares about this stuff when this reality is happening now and we need to deal with it now. And so my friend who's told me this about Analio said that it was great that Analyo began his teaching, which was a formal teaching he's been doing for a number of weeks. So he's going through a series of teachings. And he said, but he had to begin with what's going on and what happened for him watching uh, watching George Floyd be murdered and and watching his reaction to it because he was being mindful, not just of what he was seeing, but what was happening inside of him. And Inalio is a big proponent of being mindful of everything and that that's the cure or that's what will support us in being free and dealing with whatever we have to deal with. And Inalio said, watching his, uh, his reaction to seeing the video, mostly he, he just kept wondering about the mind of the person who could do that. What is the mind of somebody who could do that? And how does a mind like that get shaped and get formed and stay, stay in that reified belief system, right? And see, he said, and then he got more personal. And Analio said, Inalio, who is German by birth, I can't remember, he's German or Austrian, but, but uh, German descent, and he said, he, he, what it reminded him of was when he went to the camps to see had what had happened in Germany, when he went to concentration camps and saw the, the remnants of what had happened when the Germans um, you know, just lived out uh, uh, an insane reality. And remember, Germany was a high culture of tremendous arts and philosophy and, and understanding and psychology comes from Germany, you know, to a great degree. And and um, and you know Beethoven and Bach and Mozart, they said this is German beauty and, and, and magnificence and, and the different philosophers from Germany. And and then and then they the the Nazis took over and transformed the whole thing and ended up killing this one group of people not just one group let me be clear about that but the most famous is killing jews you know some eight million jews six million jews you know uh because they were jewish and and it was a way to navigate their personal hatred which you know, they had. And so it was, he reminded him of what it was like for him to go to the camps as a German, knowing that that's in his heritage, that that's in his lineage, right? And then he, of course, talked about the Buddha, what he learned from the Buddha. And he said one of the first things he ever learned in Buddhism was the Buddha taught non-discrimination, that was one of the first things he taught, and he and of course the discrimination at the time of the Buddha had to do with caste. If you were of a higher caste, you didn't want to relate to the lower caste or the untouchables, you know. And so and and so there was this kind of organized um, prejudice based on caste and class, what we would call class, basically. And he said, but the Buddha one of the things one of the main things that Buddha was recognized in the greater culture of northern India at that time was that he was a person who didn't abide by caste and that he didn't discriminate by caste, and so he was not respected because of that and Anlia said one more thing I thought to put in this talk he said. Um, uh, you know, people say what to do, you know, that they need to go out and do something. And what do you do besides meditate? And he said, and where he, where he grew up in Buddhism was in Sri Lanka. And that's where he went as a very young man and studied and became a monk and stayed for many years And he said, for him, there, what he'd learned was there was not a distinction between meditation and social activity. They were not two different things. It's all practice, it's all meditation, it's one thing, right? He said it was only when he came back to the West that meditation was put on this great pedestal. And then People didn't talk much about everything else. It was all about meditation and getting enlightened. He said, that's not what he learned in Sri Lanka. And that's not what he believed. And he said, Ruth King, he quoted Ruth King, uh, who said, racism is a heart disease. Racism is a heart disease, it can, but it can be healed and it can be healed with mindfulness. And so the other piece that Anaglio threw in was about privilege because he feels his own privilege just being white, even as a monk in, in this country. And he said the tact of mindfulness is to be aware of the privilege, to start to see it, to start to acknowledge it, and not just be bound to it or tied to it or identified with it. <clears throat> and i saw a sign in one of the demonstrations when i was watching on on you know video on the web it said white silence white silence equals white violence and i thought that's that was a good sign to have and that's something good for each of us to to consider because we all see the racism because it's around all the time, in, in either in gross ways like we're seeing it now with the murder of these African-American people around the country or in the little ways that our friends are racist or that our family is a little racist or says a certain thing or that we're a little racist and we don't acknowledge it. We don't say it. We don't say to somebody, that's racist. Don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that kind of crap and it is been for me interesting to see what other people are saying about what's going on. And one of the places I've been interested or that has struck me is on the, what's called the political right, right? The right wing and Fox news. There's a woman, I don't know her name, Pirro, uh, Ms. Pirro. I have here, Uh, um, talking about what happened after she saw um, uh, um, George Floyd being murdered. She said her voice, it said about her, her voice nearly broke describing the agonizing final moments of George Floyd who died with the police officer ignoring his pleas and pinning him to the ground. George Floyd was begging, she said. George Floyd was begging, saying he couldn't breathe, saying, please, please. Really, She told viewers, this man who put his knee on the neck of George Floyd does not deserve to be free in this country. And of course, I saw the mayor of Minneapolis call for him to be arrested, even though he didn't have the power to arrest him. He said he needs to be arrested. If any of us would have done what he did, we'd be behind bars now. And, of course, this was a few days ago. Now he has been arrested. And even Rush Limbaugh, who is a great symbol of the right wing and, and you know has a big voice, said he couldn't find a way to justify it when talking about the officer's action. And so even for the right wing, that's radical for them, to be able to acknowledge that, to say it, to see it. And, of course... A friend of ours named Barack Obama said, we have to remember that for millions of Americans, being treated differently on account of race is tragically, painfully, manningly normal. Hello. Oh, something happened to my computer. Sorry. I'm going to say that again from Obama. Obama. He said, we have to remember that for millions of Americans being treated differently on account of race is tragically, painfully, maddeningly normal, whether it's while dealing with health care system or interacting with criminal justice system or jogging down the street or just watching birds in a park, which of course happened to this man in New York who was watching birds and a white woman who had her dog off, off leash in an area where you're not supposed to have the dog off leash. And he said to her, please put your dog on the leash. She called the cops saying he was threatening her, right? Which was totally a lie. And there's a video of it, right? And Obama goes on to say, this shouldn't be normal in America in 2020. It can't be normal if we want our children to grow up in a nation that lives up to its highest ideals. So those are a few thoughts, words that I have about all of this. And really, I, don't, I still don't know what to say or how to help or what to do exactly. But I, all I know is I can at least say something and let's see what can we do and what can we do collectively or what's needed or what have you done. Or what do you think about all this? And and, and how do you relate to it in terms of your practice? Is it really just not part of practice? Or if it is, then how are you responding to it? Or or what befuddles you about it? And please raise your hand by going to the participants uh, uh, button at the bottom, and you'll find a place to raise your hands. And I'll call on you, which I'm going to do now. Miru.
2: Hi, Eugene.
0: Hi. Wait, I'm going to switch to speaker view so I can see you. Hi.
2: Hi. Um, Thank you so much for the talk. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yeah, I hear you fine.
2: Um, Yeah, I've been kind of sitting in pain. and somehow I think it's also showing up in my body. I feel so tired, exhausted, um, so I've been feeling it all over my body and also in my heart and it's painful not, it's painful for sure because of uh, the pain that um, George Floyd might have gone through as he was dealing in his last moment, but also it's painful because of the the police officer who killed him who killed him either intentionally or intentionally, who knows but um, because I I feel like we are this, this whole thing with the racism and all kinds of discrimination feels like a trauma that we carry like over generations yes and in a way I'm also connected to I'm connected to that George Floyd but also I'm connected to that police officer it feels like that person whatever has trauma or the prejudice whatever trauma that he has grown up with and then hence um, made him act with a certain prejudice. Mm -hmm. That's also manifestation of trauma too. Um,
0: Yeah, very important important what you're saying, it's true. And uh, I wanna be just careful about one thing. It doesn't mean we don't have reactions to it even when we see the big picture, because you wanna allow your reactions, one's reactions, mine, Right. In order to not hold on to them,
1: mm-hmm. even
0: though I I totally agree with you and appreciate very much your saying that about the police officer.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. So it's not to justify what he did or what, but not, But um, I, with the related with that, I was thinking a lot about that. A lot of us actually want to do something about this and act out, but also feeling very, um, it's not, not not feeling empowered, but um, I, as you said, exactly, like, I, I, w- I was really appreciating your topic because you expressed kind of, I think how a lot of us, what, what a lot of us are feeling, like we don't know what to do. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it's just, um, just expressing just my <laughs> sense of um, feeling the same as you did, but also how I've been thinking a lot about like how, what kind of action should I show up uh, with this compassion? So that's my how I'm feeling, feeling it now today. Thank you.
0: Thank you. A really important. I mean, I've been on a lot of emails from the Spirit Rock Teachers Council about what to do, what to do. And nobody's got a, the right answer, but it's do anything you can, however small or however big. And that's why I wanted to include the piece about don't ha- don't hold back from saying something when you're seeing racism alive happening in the moment among wherever coworkers, friends, family, yourself. Say it because it's needed. And of course, the racism uh, since COVID nineteen that's been directed towards people of Asian descent has been. Uh, again in my words just insane but that's what people do when they're afraid when they're scared when they want some safety so they go to who can we blame for whatever it might be and and so it's it's so broad the question of racism and how embedded it is in our country.
2: Yeah Um, if I may one more thing um, I just got to and as I was listening to your talk, I just got the idea, and I really appreciate you sharing Analia's teaching, be mindful and be aware of our privilege. And I think in many ways, it starts from there too. Um, so I would, I would deeply think about the privilege that I have um, and I could, how I could also be helpful. Right. Yeah.
0: Great. Thank you. Really important for all of us to, it's our world. Let's deal with it. Okay, thank you. Uh, Tasha.
3: Hey Eugene. Um, I just wanted to say thank you because you gave me a different perspective. Um, so I live in downtown Seattle and I had to evacuate last night and it was very frightening. Um, and I think that I had anger towards the protesters for putting innocent people in danger. Sure. Uh, when you gave your speech tonight, I think that I hadn't realized that maybe these people felt like they didn't have another voice. They didn't have a good way to express their anger. And they were doing in some perhaps convoluted way the best that they could. So yeah. I think now I have a broader perspective and I appreciate that. So thank you.
0: Thank you. You know, and remember, I'm old enough. I was in a lot of riots in New York City in the 60s right? Because I was part of that world and I could see when the riots were, uh, why they were happening, it was totally clear. And also the lack of feeling like we had a voice to make anything happen was so clear that we couldn't, we didn't know how to be more skillful in terms of responding to the government who seemed to have all the power. And at least at that time, we had an impact. It changed things, right? And so, so I don't have just a, oh, don't ever riot, even though it's, I'm too old to go riot myself. And I don't actually encourage it, but I understand it. And I understand that some people have that need. And I also understand there are some people who are doing it and they're not trying to just make things better. Right, so it's you know, it's a broad topic, but thank you for joining in the conversation.
3: Yeah, thanks for that perspective. Sure. Um,
0: let's see. Uh, Anna and Jim, do you want to say anything? No, you wanted to,
1: yes, thank you very much for this, Eugene. I was wondering. Yeah, whether you were going to talk about this and I was touched by your emotion and I share it. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to say I just, the reason I missed the meditation is I spent three hours south of Market walking, protesting with thousands of other people. Great. And surprisingly surrounded by thousands of policemen mm-hmm. from all over the state, apparently. Um, and, but there was no rioting. There was a little bit of tension. There was a little bit of violence. There was some confrontation, but no storefronts were broken. Um, you know, it was relatively peaceful, despite what I thought very confrontational police. I mean, they were on edge. I even had one of the sheriffs pointed his rifle at me just because I was in the vicinity and he was, I guess, scared or something. Yeah, um, wait, wait, but really was-
0: important, wait, wait, really important what you just said. Of course, the police are totally scared, and if, and they're not allowed to be scared, right? They don't, you know. That's not like egocentric. If you're a policeman, you're supposed to be, you know, you're the you're the cop, right? So, um, good to see that.
1: Yeah. So it was very interesting. At times, I wondered whether they were going to try to box the protesters in. Okay. Um, but there were multiple protests as well, multiple movements. And um, anyways, uh, um I felt it was the right thing to do. My daughter was was with me and well she was there first, and I partly went just to make sure she was safe. She's very
0: <laughs> I've had a lot I've talked to a bunch of parents yeah. who don't want their kids to go, and their kids wanna go because that's, it's their world in that way. It's the new world that we have to create and they're ready to do it.
1: Yeah, so very much so. And yeah. she's also half, she's half white and half person of color. Mm-hmm. So She has received, she has been on the other end of prejudice and so forth. Um, so now what to do? So for me, for my two daughters who are, are half people of color and half white and from my partner, what I have learned and maybe it was Ruth King who coined this, but to try to be white awake, Mm -hmm. white awake and to be awake to the privilege that I have had and not to pretend that I know better Mm because I sure in the hell don't. Mm -hmm. I'm learning more and more. Um, So this is what I can do in the moment. Every moment I can try to be more white awake. I can try to be more sensitive. I can be aware of my privilege and the privilege I've had now back to the ground tomorrow at 11 o'clock, 11 a.m., there's gonna be a kneel protest organized by Amos Brown and and the Baptist Church Mm -hmm. that I was thinking would be perfect for us who like to meditate, much like our friends from Gaia House did for the Extinction Rebellion in London where they Mm -hmm. blocked the bridge sitting all day long. I would like to invite people to join me, and I know there's a couple others who are going, Tomorrow at 11, I can put this in the chat box, Mm -hmm. and it'll be kneeling in the way that Colin Kaepernick knelt during the football game, so on one knee. But I was thinking we could also maybe sit, and we can just make our presence known. I think it's so important, especially for those of us who are white, I -hmm. think we have to be there. Mm -hmm. We have to keep our mouths shut, but our presence has to be there, I think.
0: So I'm um, getting well, you bringing that invitation to the group and people can join as they wish. There was actually an article even in the sports section about if that this country had not had listened to Colin Kaepernick four years ago when he kneeled and uh, maybe that this cop wanted to put his, his knee on this man's neck and killed him, you know, cause, and, and, of course, Colin Kaepernick was protesting this kind of uh, violence against people of color by the police. And, and he was, um, I'm looking for the right word, he was uh, totally kicked, uh, basically kicked yeah. out of the NFL yeah. for <laughs> what he did. Trying to do peaceful protest is what peaceful,
1: he did. respectful protest. Mm. And the, the right-wingers, whatever you want to call them, they hated it. Yeah. And oh, now they got this. Yeah, causes and conditions. So I figure we'll be on the left side. If you look at the, like the, speaking of football, you know, if you look at the center of the field, we'll be on the left side. Hopefully that's what we'll be gathering tomorrow at 11.
0: Okay. Well, if you, if you want to do that and join, I would suggest somebody make a sign and say SFI. And you have that there. And so you can gather together.
1: Okay, I will, thank you for that, Eugene, we'll do that. SFI will make a sign and there will be.
0: Great, okay, thank you. Next. Uh, Paul Irving, oh wait, I just lost you, Paul. There you are, wait. Okay, Paul. Hi,
4: first Eugene, thank you. Thank you so much for
0: Wait, I can't see you, Paul.
4: I'm here. (laughs) Uh Thank you so much. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Your words and for just being real. And one of the things that I wanted to offer was that um, a resource from our own community at SFI. Last year, we did a um, white and awakening. for six months. We met once a month in someone's home and it was an amazing way for people who identify as white to go a little deeper into um, the privilege and the history that uh, has created the context that we live in now. And um, if it is okay with you, I would invite anyone who's interested to send an email to the SFI address, and we will have another session of that. Uh, All of the people who joined were uh, tremendously touched and, and felt like they grew enormously in their awareness and their mindfulness of race and privilege. So if that's something that we would consider, then um, I would invite people to do that.
0: Sure. You could put it in the chat box if you would like. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Elise.
3: Hi, Eugene. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yeah. Hi, Elise.
3: (sighs) So I'm just, um, I'm feeling so many different things right now. Um, I think, so one, what I wanted to share was something that really has helped me. Um, I feel like as a, as a white person, like I feel, I feel devastated. I feel sad. I feel hopeless, helpless. Um, like what's my role in this and I think one of the things that has felt really important for me is to look at this and to be with it and so um, one of the books that I've read that um, I really recommend to anybody who's well white in particular but White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo who's a white woman mm-hmm. and um, I just wanted to share a paragraph in here that was really impactful for me in changing how I thought about and looked at racism. So it says, white people in North America live in a society that is deeply separate and unequal by race, and white people are the beneficiaries of that separation and inequality. As a result, we are insulated from racial stress at the same time that we come to feel entitled to and deserving of our advantage. Given how seldom we experience racial discomfort in a society we dominate, we haven't had to build our racial stamina. Socialized into a deeply internalized sense of superiority that we either are unaware of or can never admit to ourselves, we become highly fragile in conversations about race. We consider a challenge to our racial worldviews as a challenge to our very identities as good moral people. Thus, we perceive any intent to connect us to the system of racism as unsettling and unfair moral offensive. The smallest amount of racial stress is intolerable The mere suggestion that being white has meaning often triggers a, rate, a range of defensive responses. This includes anger, fear, guilt, and behaviors such as argumentation, silence, and withdrawal from the stress-inducing situation. These responses work to reinstate white, white equilibrium as they repel, challenge, return our racial comfort and maintain our dominance within the racial hierarchy. I conceptualize this process as white fragility. And so um, I share this because I'm uncomfortable. Like I'm uncomfortable being a white person and in this situation. And I think that the most important thing I can do is be okay with being uncomfortable about that.
0: Very important because you know, in some way, uh, it makes sense that one is uncomfortable with that identity because, you know, we see what identity has done and continues to do and how it continues to impact the world and, and ourselves and limits ourself and our own understanding and our own awakening in order to be together with everybody. So Thank I lost you because somebody else made noise. So then they, they, they came to the fore. I lost you. Oh, there you are. Okay. <laughs> I can still see you in a the box. There you are. There I am. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. And I agree. Yeah, be uncomfortable with it. See what's here, of course, to be not just what you're uncomfortable with, but what's uncomfortable with it. Because something's knowing that uncomfortableness. And so you're not just white. You're not just a white person. You are a white person. And you have that identity. But that's not the limit of who and what you are.
3: Yeah.
0: And that's why the Dharma can be freeing in the middle of anything. And and I'm going to say one more thing. Just the grief that you feel is a really important part of being free of the whiteness.
3: Yeah. I feel like it's really important for, I'll speak for myself, but for my heart to break about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really important and really good. Right. I've said this before, this famous haiku from a, Old friend Rick Fields, who when he was dying, he wrote Heart Broken Open.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Okay. Don Lee. I
5: oh.
0: Hi, Heather. Hi, hey, Don.
5: Dean. Thank you so much. I was so moved by you. And I've been thinking about you a lot because I knew that that you would do this. Like I knew that you would have something really important to say. And um, I felt like everything you said was exactly like I was actually surprised to see you show the realness of what you were experiencing in the sense of not that you wouldn't do that, but just to see how like, like it wasn't like you were bringing equanimity to what you were talking about. And I really valued that because there was a part of, you know, my Buddhist judge that's wondering where that equanimity is. And actually right now it's here a little bit and I'm grateful for that, but you know, I have to say, so, um, on Thursday we watched, um, Joseph Goldstein who spoke at, um, a right. And, um, and he had this beautiful response to someone who asked a question about, this tragedy and and his first thing was encouraging to look at it um, as much as you can right Mm -hmm. and then to ask and I've heard you say the same thing what can I do Mm -hmm. and so I hadn't watched the video cuz I couldn't bring myself to do it but after that I really sat and I thought you know what I can do this Mm -hmm. I can see this and I could not believe what I saw Mm -hmm. like I, I've seen it, but I haven't, I mean, people telling him to stop, not just, you know, like the whole thing. And I'm not saying people should watch it, you know, like I don't know what other people should do, but I watched it. That whole night I couldn't sleep. I was just in a rage. And, um, but what I did was I, I, I've been sitting with it. I've been actually using a lot of meta phrases for myself during this time and for, um, our country, and in particular, um, people of color. But um, I feel like there have been some skillful things that have come, and I can share with it what I've done. But I also there's just overwhelming feeling of it's just never going to be enough. Like no matter what I do, it just won't be enough. And so I have a little bit of power in the organization that I work in. And Mm -hmm. I talk to the uh, I work in healthcare, I talk to our physician in chief, um, and I encouraged her to make a broad, do something big for our organization. And she was going to do it anyway. I don't think I made such a difference. But it, but anyway, I was able to be part of that. And there are unions in, in this environment. One of our unions is mostly poor people of color. And it really, I think, helped just for a moment. You know, I don't think it's going to help in the big picture, but just well, for.
0: Whoa, 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 slow down. Be careful about you because you don't know what it will do it will help even for a moment maybe and or maybe in a bigger ways you don't know the ripples of anything and especially of the goodwill that you're describing and the kindness that you're describing it's all good and it all happens and we just don't know and it's true we don't know what to do or how to. St- it seems like this will go on forever. Maybe it will, but maybe it won't. Right. Let's see what 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 little bit can we do, or what big thing can we do. Either way, and and do whatever we can. But I would. The one thing I would like to encourage is don't not do anything.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So I did that, and then um, I'm a poet. That's another big thing in my life. And um, I was part of a reading last night, where just lots of it's a diverse group. And it was beautiful to really just take in what artists of color had to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've written something and I'm struggling with whether I even have a right. But anyway, that's like something I'm figuring out um, around it. And I've also um, been putting things up on social media not a lot and not like in this like um angry way but i i did something where i just said to all my white people you know here's what i've done like i've donated to a couple places what are you going to do um not many people have responded to be honest Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway that's those are some of the things that i've done Great. great
0: thank you and you know the one other thing about equanimity just from a Buddhist point of view, is it doesn't mean you're always balanced. It means there's enough balance to be imbalanced.
5: Enough balance to be imbalanced. Oh, yeah. okay, that's helpful.
0: Your understanding of equanimity. Okay. okay, thank you. And I'm gonna keep moving as a bunch of hands up. So. Okay, okay. Uh, Melanie.
6: Hi Eugene, hi everybody. It's my first time in this particular sangha. I um, am not from San Francisco. We met at uh, the month long turned two week retreat.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, hi. Yeah,
6: hi. And I just happened to be on the mailing list to see this to pop on tonight. I'm so glad I did. And I'm really touched by this conversation. And I guess a little nervous to even be talking about this, but I feel, um, truly I feel just some disappointment in my white friends and my white allies. And I'm trying to get curious and understand the lack of response, um, that, you know, the woman just spoke of, I'm sorry, I forget your name. Um, you know, my generation and communication is so much online and social media and Instagram and, um, I'm trying to approach it as not that I have the answers, but this is my vulnerability and where we are and trying to show that. And not many people that I am, a lot of the circles that I'm in may not be practitioners and things. And I'm just kind of curious, like how do we, Do I need to let go of engaging them and let go of what the outcome is? Um, You know, why are we not, what's preventing from engagement? Like what's happening there?
0: Okay, slow down. Um, Don't, it's fine to try and engage, engage them, but you're not in control of the outcome. And that's the piece that's often hard for us. But again, what I said before is still true. Any little bit, you don't know the impact. They may not engage immediately, but your voice has been heard and what's important, what you value, what you care about, what you love has been put out there. And I have a great faith in that. And that something starts to happen from the movement of um, uh, of that vibration of your voice.
6: Thank you. Yeah. About four weeks ago, I stepped into a White Caucus online, a Facebook group, and would be. it's been very helpful. The, I have several articles I'm happy to share too just on the impact of White Caucus and how it can be helpful in this um, if that's of interest. But it would be, I'd be really curious on what that would be like with a group of practitioners too. Mm -hmm. you know, a different topic covered every week or a book and having a discussion. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so just grateful to be here.
0: Great. Glad you're here. And please feel free to put something on the chat if you want people to respond to you. And, you know, again, I'm not so your generation is much better at social media than me and my generation. And so be patient with our ignorance. Okay, thank you. Patricia.
7: Hi, Eugene. Hi. Uh, this is, um, I feel speechless a lot um, with what's happening and you know, it was. It's just. It's traumatizing to watch um, George Floyd get killed. Yes. And, um, and of course, it. You know, as I've I've mentioned to you before, that my father was a cop in Baltimore, and he was. You know, there's a culture I learned from him. There's this culture in that world, and there's some. Cops who are, are are sadists. They're just. It is kind of that um, mentality. There's so there's so much fear and hatred. Yeah. And, um. And so it can feel um, too big, and it can leave one in a sense of despair around when we see, and we keep having these. This keeps happening over and over and over. It just it can feel um, quite overwhelming, but I did one of the things that helps me is to take action. And I went to protest yesterday, and I will go tomorrow. And to be with others who
1: mm-hmm.
7: use, you know, I feel enraged mm-hmm. and I feel despair and sadness mm-hmm. and. And yet I keep taking actions, going to protests.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: And, um, and also I think that it's hard to understand your white privilege if you're not black, you know? It's like not understanding how one um, might, um, like I understand how sexism works mm-hmm. because I'm a woman but I don't understand how racism works in a certain way. So... Well, why, well, one way. Well,
0: well, slow down, slow down. Well, you do understand it through sexism.
7: I understand some of it, but...
0: Right. You've got to understand all, every nuance of it. Yeah, that for sure. But you don't have to understand every nuance just to get the flavor of what it means to be discriminated uh, uh, um, What It means to be discriminated uh, with because of your something. And right, so for you, it's not color, right? But it's for your gender or your sexual identity or it's whatever it might be. Or for some people, it's because of their economic status. You know, and it doesn't mean we understand racism in the same way, but we understand the same um, energetic principles that go into that of creating an other. And it's about othering and not seeing that we're all here together.
7: One of my favorite authors is James Baldwin mm-hmm. and No Name in the Street. I recommend people um, read that because um, he's, it's quite profound. His his relationship to to white America and um, how he talks about if, if, if white Americans do not understand how their own, their, their uh, culpability in this, or their, their, their silence is culpability, that we're actually, this country will continue um, to have the violence that, this is the, one of the biggest keys. This is one of the biggest issues that has been with us ever since this country got made. And if we don't right. you know, actually participate in changing it taking action, um, then it's, it's not going to change. We all have to, we all have to participate.
0: Right. So I'm going to agree totally with you and I'm going to keep moving. There's a couple more people with their hands up. I want to see if we can get people, everybody in. Okay. Thank you, happy. And I'm going late, if you need to leave anybody, please leave, Uh, I'm just gonna continue for a little while. Happy, happy, what happened to happy, I lost happy. Okay, no happy. Okay, Rachel.
8: Uh, hello, Eugene and everybody.
0: Well, so I'm gonna ask everybody to be very brief now. because yeah.
8: so a couple of things. Thanks, everybody. One thing that I noticed is I wasn't able to see the video because I just felt so devastated. And then today, I, real, I went to the protest. I, I just had a piece of it. And I realized, gosh, I get to not watch the video. I get to go home to my comfortable home. I need to not live through this on a daily basis. And, and there are so many people that don't. So my, I need to continue doing my practice so that my heart can be resourced enough so that I can show up. So that was one thing in my nervous system and with everything, like I don't get to just withdraw. So that was a big thing, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. The other thing uh, that made me a little sad is that because I work with a lot of people with a lot that suffer from a lot of isms. Um, I just I just really appreciated what you said about the any type of discrimination of or treatment of inequality, we need to be mindful of that. May it be anything, anything. So not only color, but anything. And I, I grew up like an alio in a country where there, everybody was white, but there was a lot of discrimination because many other things. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I want to say very respectfully is that Although the different is, isms are diff- are, are, have something in common, I think it's very important to honor that everybody's experience is different and not two.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's just a given. Everybody's actually totally unique in that way. Okay, thank you. I'm going to keep going with Luke. Uh, Hi, Eugene. How you doing? Uh, Not time for me to say how I'm doing. You've heard how I'm doing. Okay, I'm gonna tell you how I feel about this shit, man. I'm a person of color. I grew up in the African
1: American community, and and the last week is the same goddamn thing.
4: Okay, nothing has changed. Okay. 69 all over again. Okay, except
0: for the flu. It's the same thing and nothing has changed. And that's what that's all I want to say. Okay. okay? Thanks. I understand. Thank you. Yeah. And um, let's see. Anni. Oh, Ann, excuse me. Ann.
9: Yeah, hi, Eugene. Hi. Thanks for being real about all of this. Um, You know, I'm sitting here and I'm very aware of my white privilege, I I mean, as much as I can be. But I feel like in all of our answers of how can we help, I just keep seeing it over and over again. And please, I'm not judging anybody because I know everybody's intention is really, comes from their heart and they mean well. But I want to call attention to the fact that I think we as white people have so much unconscious bias that we're not even aware that when we wanna help African-American people, we're not even saying we're gonna call them. Let's call my friend. Let, let me ask them what we can do to help. No, we take it on ourselves as what with our white privilege that we know the best thing to do. And for you're
1: making
0: white a really important point about not assuming we know what to do, but really asking what could be helpful.
4: Exactly,
9: don't yeah. know, don't yeah. know, and it gets, it pisses me off. Yeah. Every time I think of it and see it, I just go, you're kidding, because it's ha- well, this is what we're doing. We've internalized it so much, so deeply in yeah. our white patriarchal society that we don't even realize in our good effort to help that we're repeating the same thing, the same assault.
0: It's one of the pieces we'll keep learning as we go. Right. And it's important. Thank you. Just Keeping moving as one more person. Rachel. I'm not able to unmute Rachel. Okay, I'm sorry, Rachel, I can't unmute you. I'll try once more. See if you can unmute yourself, Rachel. Huh. Okay, well, I'm gonna stop now then. Sorry, Rachel, let's just sit for a minute as we end. and offer our merit, our blessings, our hope, our wish. May it go out in every direction, touching beings in every world, in every realm, that we all may be free from racism, from bias, from prejudice, from discrimination, from ignorance, and we offer our blessings to the people, families of George Floyd, or um, Biana Taylor, or Ahmad Arby, Arbery, and to all beings. May all beings be happy and peaceful. Wishing all beings be free from suffering, from the suffering of racism and ignorance. May all beings awaken and realize their true nature, their Buddha nature, the nature of wisdom and compassion. May all beings be free. you, everybody. And just a reminder, please, the way we function is on Donna, please send your Donna to SFI. You can go to SFI usually somebody posts um, uh, post something. Oh, yeah, there it is at least posted it. Yeah, go to San Francisco insight.org slash donate. And you'll be able to donate appreciate your support. Thank you. Please be well, and let's let's do something, however small, let's keep going, because this is not over. Please be well.
4: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.